There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Margaret. Hey, Teddy. Let me tell you about the National Tree of India, all right? Okay, what's the National Tree of India? It's the banyan tree and also like the banana tree the banyan tree is known to be one of the homes of ghost pontiana ah yeah yeah <laughs> and for those who don't know the pontiana is a vampiric female spirit and it's believed that she was a pregnant woman who died before her child was born mm. so back to the banyan tree so how the tree works is that small animals you know like birds like squirrels they eat the fix of the banyan tree and then they go to another tree and they shit it out. Oh, they have fruit? Yeah, they have fruit. They have fix. Oh, I never knew they have fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that it's like, I don't even know where's the trunk of the tree. This tree exactly, like, has a lot of Exactly, you don't know trunk. where the trunk it is, just right? just together, yeah. Okay, so the, the seed will like grow on the other tree and its roots will slowly extend out. The roots oh, that yeah. look like the, the other trunk. This is a parasitic tree. Exactly. It just grows on top of other trees and then just melts into the... Bleh, and then the other tree is gone. The other tree, it gets strangled yeah. by the banyan tree. So the banyan tree is also known as the strangler fig. Oh, okay. So now, I'm going to take you away from the banyan tree. Imagine, mm-hmm. you are a policeman in Burari, Delhi. Okay, Mata. Mata is 1st July 2018. So it's just three years ago, so not too far. Mm-hmm. And you've been called to a situation. It's some sort of domestic issue. And you're not too clear what this is. So the area outside the house is, is crowded. It's completely packed. If there's something about Asians, right, is that we're all capable. No matter what part of Asia we come from, we're all damn capable. <laughs> right? And there's like hundreds, thousands of people just trying to, trying to get a look. Some of them are like holding phones. They are taking videos. There's media events everywhere. And you finally manage wow. to like squeeze your way in with your police authority. Uh-huh. Okay, so the house is big. The house is big. And there's a courtyard in the center of the house. You know, like those old Pranakan kind of houses. It's a courtyard in the center of the house. Wow, like atas ah. Right? Okay. In the center of the courtyard, it's not open. There's a skylight. And wow. on the skylight, there's a metal grill. Oh, why? Okay, so people sometimes install the grill for like fall safety. So imagine you have like a balcony garden and you, or you're, you hang clothes there. Mm-hmm. You want the grill to be there in case you like accidentally fall. So you don't want to just like fall right through. The other reason is that it's a city, right? So it's a bit dangerous. You don't want people to just be able to climb up the walls and then hop in through the oh, skylight. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the most practical reason. Exactly. Especially in like big cities in Asia. Mm. So that wasn't unusual. What is unusual is that on the grill, there were 10 bodies, 6 women and 2 men and 2 teenage boys. They How were all... the grill? It's, it's quite big. Oh, all right? It's okay. a big skylight. This is a big house. And they were all hanging 
from wire nooses around their necks and their faces, they were all wrapped. They were covered with cloths that were later found to be all cut from the same bed sheet. Oh, so strange. Yeah. And their ears were plucked with cotton, their mouths were taped up, and their hands were tied behind their back. Alright, and there were five stools next to the ten bodies. Mm-hmm. Alright, and so it's one a, stool for two people? Yeah, and it's assumed that they used the stools to get up onto the grid. So what's strange was that they weren't hanging, really hanging that far from the ground. Oh, okay. In fact, their feet were just brushing Sipping. the oh. ground. Like so eerily the roots of a banyan tree. So they walked deeper into the house. And then you find an older lady. And she's almost 80 years old. And she was in a separate room from the pen in the skylight. Yeah. Not in the courtyard. And she also died from strangulation. So the police were like, what could have happened? Could somebody have coerced them? So if you had 11 people, you couldn't just be one person threatening 11 people, right? You need to be a lot more than that. You need to be like a whole gang of people. You need to be a whole gang of ghosts. That's what it is. It's a ghost, okay? <laughs> Who, why else everyone going and mati at the same time? I mean, there were a few coincidences that the news did find. Okay. Like there were 11 people, right? And, and this is at, at some point becoming pure speculation. There were 11 grills on their house. On the side of the house, there were 11 pipes sticking out. The police found 11 so diaries. Free, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 11 what? 11 diaries. The police found 11 diaries. I mean, one for each person. It's so dumb. Like 11 spoon, 11 fork, <laughs> 11 shoe. I don't know. Hi, I'm Teddy. I'm Margaret. And welcome to A Brief Case. Today, we're looking at the deaths of the Chundawat family. And they were also known as the Batia family by friends and neighbours. This case is also commonly called the Burari deaths because it happened in the Burari district of Delhi. And also, there's an amazing Netflix documentary on it called The House of Secrets, which has so many details, actual footage, and just interviews with everyone involved. Oh, holy shit. Okay, I'll watch this afterwards. Yeah, and I really recommend it if you're looking for something to entertain you, but I wouldn't recommend playing it in the background during Chinese New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start at the beginning. The Chundawat family, they weren't actually originally from Delhi. They were originally from Rajasthan, Sawa village. So the head of the family was a man called Bhopal Singh. And he was smart, he was talented, he was financially secure, he had farmland, he had cattle. He was one of the more richer, influential people in that area. Okay, so he gets married to a Bhatia woman called Narayani Devi and it's also why they're called the Bhatia family in the press and in the documentary because of the wife. So they grow their family together and eventually around 1989 to 1990 they move from a village, they move from their village to Delhi for more opportunities. Mm, mm. To escape. <laughs> <laughs> so not all their kids go along though because if I'm not wrong one of their sons decides not to move with him to stay in the village and they interview him in the documentary and they say something like, oh, he wants to have a more peaceful life, which I also understand because bigger cities tend to have more issues as well. Thank goodness. He's the only surviving member, is it? He... I'm not too sure, but he's the only surviving son of the family of Bovar Singh and Narayani Smart Devi. Boy. 
Yeah. So now Bhopal, he's a skilled man. So he does take advantage of the opportunities in Delhi. He doesn't just go there and do nothing. So they ended up opening um, three businesses, if I'm not wrong. And one of them is a grocery shop, like a mama shop. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a plywood business. Now the family, they really love their dad. Uh, they look to him as the head of the family. But also like a lot of Asian families, you know, it's very patriarchal. So they listened to him for everything. So to let you know what it was like, his his son actually said that he doesn't even need to shout. He would not even shout. His eyes were enough to let us know what we should not do. Can you imagine having that kind of power over your kid? Just like... But even though he was strict, he was very well loved. Yeah, so the neighbours only had good things to say about Bhopal Singh and his wife. So for example, when their house was being constructed, right? They were very kind to the workers and they helped the neighbours supervise the workers and provide snacks and everything. And because their neighbours were, were building the house, right? They didn't have anywhere to stay, so their neighbours ended up moving in with them in 1992. And they had a one-year-old son and the Bhopal, Bhopal Singh's family, he just chipped in, contributed, helped to take care of the neighbor's one-year-old son. Wow, they really best neighbor of the year. Exactly. There were three generations in the house, okay? So this is where it gets a little complicated, but we need to go over everybody to understand the power dynamics of the family. So we know that there was Bhopal and Narayan, dad and mom of the family. So in addition to their son that didn't move with them, there was also Bhavnesh, their middle child, and Lalit, their youngest son. So eldest son that didn't move, Bhavnesh, Lalit. So three sons. Yes, but we don't we don't really the eldest son doesn't really take part in this case. Thank God. They also have a daughter, Batiba. In total in that house, the two parents, two sons and one daughter. Alright, so now I'm going to bring you through the families of each of the kids living in the house. Whoa, so it's like a multi-generational Yes, thing. it's a multi-generational household. It's a big house. And I'm going to go through like kind of like the ages at the time of the incident. What about the ama? Just now you say got one, the last one that in the room that... We're going to move on first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start with the daughter. Their daughter was called Pratiba and she was 57. And initially, she didn't stay in the house, but she moved in because her husband was an alcoholic that died, and his family treated her badly, like mm-hmm. really badly. And you know what? Fair enough. You should never stay with somebody who treats you like shit. Yeah, just walk out. Exactly. And she brought with her her daughter, so Pratiba and her daughter, Bhopal's granddaughter here, Priyanka. And Priyanka was 25. She was a smart, hardworking girl, and she worked for an MNC, and she was known to be good at her job, and she also taught tuition on the side. Yeah, like me last time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she was such a catch, right? And just weeks, weeks before her death, she actually got engaged. And she was in a very happy time of her life. And to her, family was everything. Like, family was the most important thing to her. Okay, so that's the first set. Like, the first... The first... One of the children. Okay, the yeah. next children of that family. Alright, so the next one is the elder of the two sons that lived in the Burari house. His name was Bhuvnesh, and he was 50. Bhuvnesh was married to Savita, who was 48. So Bhuvnesh and Savita, they had three kids, two daughters and a son. So Nitu, who was 25, Manaka, who was 16, and Dhruv, who was 15. So two daughters and a son, and all older teenagers and in their 20s. So that's the second family Mm -hmm. that lived in the house. Finally, we're going to go through the youngest son in the house. So it was Lalit, and Lalit was 45. And Lalit was married to Tina, who was 42. And Lalit and Tina, they had a teenage son called Shivam, who was 15. 
And so I want to touch on Lalit's life a little. Mm-hmm. Is he the one who invited the spirit? <laughs> So, in 1988, before they moved to Delhi, when Lalit was around 20, he actually had a really, really tragic motorbike accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know that he had head injuries in this accident because he was hospitalized for, for days. Mm. Okay? And after this accident, he had issues that were like narcolepsy. So, like in an interview with one of his friends, they said that they would be talking and mm-hmm. he would just fall asleep. Just like, mm. Okay. Right? And after this, he had uh, another more serious injury in 2004. So after they moved to Delhi, at that time, he worked for a plywood business. But then he had a payment dispute with his boss. Like his boss wasn't paying him, right? So they don't get a mediator. They don't calmly discuss it. Instead, his boss beats him up, sets fire to a storage facility which he's in. And then... While Lalit was still inside, plywood fell on him. He had smoke inhalation problem. And again, all the injuries that he had from getting beaten up by his boss. Sounds like it really damaged his brain even more. <laughs> yeah, so he, he managed to somehow pull out his phone and call his brother for help. But this time, he almost died. Alright, they really wanted to kill him. And after this incident, he, he, he stopped speaking. Alright? And it's never confirmed if he lost his voice because of smoke inhalation because yeah. that can damage your... Of course. And maybe the speech center in your brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or whether it was like psychological reasons like PTSD because yeah, that can I mean, also cause... Yeah, it's quite traumatizing. Yeah. So, these are really, really traumatizing incidents and, and that's Lali. So, that's the whole family. Two sons, one daughter. The daughter has a daughter. The, the sons have three kids and Lali who has just one son. Mm. Oh, how old is the son? 15. Mm, a lot of 15-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> He's the youngest one. So now we're going to catch up to the timeline after 2004. In 2006, Bhopal Singh dies. So after Lalit's second accident. Alright, and he dies of natural causes. And Lalit and the family, they did look up to him for guidance. And Lalit especially, he, even, he got even more withdrawn. He's really not talking. <laughs> yeah, so he gets even more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And after his father's death, he started to hear his father's voice. Mm. And one thing that his father's voice would say would be that they needed to chant some sort of ritual regularly. Maybe it's a ritual that they did before this. Maybe it's a new ritual. It's, it's never specified. Okay, at first it sounds very benign. Yeah. yeah, and then while they were chanting, suddenly Lali starts chanting too. Oh, that's his only reason to talk yeah, now. Yeah, and, and his <laughs> voice it started coming back. And wow. Lalit was like, oh, I got my voice back because of my father. And he thought that his father was channeling himself through him. Mm. And he's like, my father's cha- channeling himself through me. And so Lalit, he, because of this, he eventually just started stepping into the role of the head of the family. Even though he's the youngest son. Yeah, even though he was the youngest son. And this wasn't like a bad thing because, because it, it really did seem that it was the father channeling himself through because he would give the family really good advice like on wow. career, on education, financial advice, investing advice. And because of this advice, the family ended up doing very well financially. Wow. Why don't he? Why didn't he open his mouth early? <laughs> yeah, and but because of how he did, because they did better, right? Mm-hmm. 
the more his advice turned out to be good advice, the more they listened to him because what he said was like, right. And they even said that when he was channeling his father, right, the voice changed. It sounded like the dad. Oh, like yeah. very deep. Yeah, like the, the intonations, the voice, everything. Yeah, so other members of the family, except for the wife, Narayani, the mom slash grandma, they ended up just calling him daddy. Oh, that's so weird. Calling someone younger than you daddy. But then you think that someone younger than you is actually, you know, the father's spirit inside. Then he, then Lali's personality, bye-bye lah. <laughs> like he would channel it now and then. Oh, like So weird. I don't think it will, he was like the father all the time, but like sometimes he would like, Mm. Yeah. Okay, I see how the, the mom ended up being the ama. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. okay, so remember the 11 diaries that we were talking about? So it's, it's from the 11 people? So it wasn't from the 11 people, but in the diaries, Lali would actually tell people what to do on a day-by-day basis every morning. Like the families would check the diaries, the books, what? for what to do. So it was like he a planner. like the manager at it. Yes. Weird. So like, for example, he'll say like, oh, today um, somebody's assigned to the kitchen. Today somebody needs to take care of grandmother. And he would even have like details like, oh, Droof is using the phone too much and needs to take care not to be distracted. Things like that. Okay, I don't mm-hmm. think it's very acceptable in our society. But okay, whatever roles for them. Yeah, so, so he basically used diaries and his channeling to tell his family how to live their lives. Another thing that was emphasized a lot in the diaries is how the family is not supposed to stress out Lalit and Tina because when he's writing the diary, he's not writing it as Lalit, he's writing it as Popal Singh. So he's writing like, don't stress out Lalit and Tina. How convenient. Right? And you have to take care of them because like channeling this spirit is very exhausting. Right. Yeah. And they also instruct the family about how to pray and... It hints at very occult practices. Oh, like what? Okay, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. So one thing is that it's believed that the diaries, they weren't written by Lalit, but that he would dictate and the other members of the family would write, just by the handwriting. Oh, all different handwriting. Yeah. And this this was all just happening inside the home. Like, people wouldn't know mm. that they were all listening to Lalit channeling Popal. Mm-hmm. Like outside they look really normal, really happy, successful, everything, but inside they had this weirdo like secret. <laughs> Nobody knew about the uncle, dad who was running their life. So we fast forward to Priyanka's engagement. So Priyanka is Bobal's daughter's daughter. And if I'm understanding this correctly, Priyanka would be the first of her generation to, to get, get family, married. like the mm. first granddaughter. Yay! Yeah. And the first one to move out of the Batia Chundawat family's Burari home. Yay! And apparently during that period, Lalit started acting strangely. In fact, one of the things that he did was drink and he usually doesn't drink at all. Popa is telling him to drink? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this was just weeks before their deaths. And now because of the diaries, because we have the diaries, mm-hmm. we know what happens next. So I'm going to start with what happened on the night of 28th June. Tina and Shivam, Lalit's wife and son, they are buying new stools. Like, sit down. Yes. This is about two to three days before their deaths. And on June 30th, Tina and someone else, another woman, they are seen bringing more stools and these stools would correspond with the one found in the scene. Oh, very sus. Like, got some plan going on already. Yeah. 
And that same night, at 10.29pm, Shivam, who's Lalit's son, he goes to the family's plywood store and we see him take a bundle of wire. Mm-hmm. And we can see him bring the bundle of wires back into the family's two-story home. And the rest, the rest is outlined and corroborated in the diaries. So they actually rehearsed this beforehand six days. They spent practicing tying themselves up, blindfolding what? themselves, everything. Crazy. And so per the translated diary, worship banyan tree for seven days straight. In case someone enters the house, the prayer should be restarted from the next day. Choose Thursday or Sunday for the act. And it's suspected that they did the grandmother first because the diary also says the elderly woman can't stand so she can lie down in another room. Oh. Yeah, which is exactly how she was found. And then the family and Tina, then Lalit, were the last ones to hang themselves. But this wasn't a suicide. This wasn't a mass suicide. No. The Banyan tree ritual was supposed to be a Thanksgiving ritual. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright. And it was supposed to help them get mass salvation because the entry, the diary entry where this is all written is titled Road to God. So it's believed that they thought that they would survive because it says everyone will help each other in untying. And the last sentence of the final diary entry, it literally says, keep water in a cup. And when it changes color, I will appear and save you. I guess it didn't change color. <laughs> That's right. It's not what happened. Okay. And, and... Oh, it sounds like them cow. Like they're so brainwashed by now. Yeah. And this is how one of the most tragic family deaths in India I mean like the girl was just about to go and like get yeah. married and move out like why didn't she do it earlier like don't they think it's sus you know yes okay so now there's a couple of theories surrounding this and some of them are from the docuseries and others from reddit <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's start with what the documentary leans towards which is that Lalit was suffering from psychosis and this is just one instance where it went too far and that even he believed that the spirit of his father would come back and save him. Alright, so this is one of the, the more innocent theories that he was suffering from uh-huh. a very unfortunate mental issue. Yeah, nothing to do with supernatural. Yeah, so now the second one alleges, and this is also from the docuseries, that maybe Lalit wasn't actually possessed and this was to manipulate his family because... Holy shit, yeah, I totally believe in that. Yeah, that he gets <laughs> the benefits of being the... Controlling the people in his family. Yeah, the patriarch of the family, he gets money, he gets treated well, his wife and his kids, they're treated better. And this meant that he was afraid that the third generation the kids, especially starting with Priyanka, when they marry out, when they talk to people and they tell people what's happening in their house, it would be very shameful and then sh- and then yeah. the rest of the family would just leave as well and then he would be just... I think it's probably the second theory because like, they're very um, particular about face. Mm. Alright, so now there is one more sinister theory from Reddit. Ghost. Yes. <laughs> He was in a vulnerable position, right? Because, like, you know when you're, like, in a traumatic position, you lose a lot of, like, your young, your young chi. Uh, young chi, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And then you become very weak, very susceptible to this kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. And he was 
possessed and whatever was possessing him probably wasn't his dad because his dad wouldn't want him to... Yeah, maybe at first he's like some other ghost that's masquerading as his dad. Exactly. Maybe giving him like... uh, Good advice, advice to play the first. long game, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. how, like, con men, they're, like, a like, bit, don't, a bit... Don't go for one, go for all of them. Exactly. But, of course, these are all theories, and we, we don't really know what happened. So, they should be taken with a lot, a lot, a lot of salt. Like, the whole sea was of salt. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who knew the truth, unfortunately, is Didn't. dead. Thanks for being on the show, Margaret. Oh wait, so no one got arrested. What, what happened to the court case part? <laughs> oh, I mean, because... Everyone died. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, happy Chinese New Year, everybody. Happy Chinese New Year. Okay, bye-bye. I recommend House of uh, Secrets on Netflix. And if you have any other great Asian true crime or docuseries you'd like to recommend, you can find us on Instagram at... A briefcase podcast or online at a briefcasepodcast.com, which I'll try to update more often. And do join us next week for another briefcase 